Hello, everybody. <laughs> hey. I'm Latara. I'm Laura. And this is Passions Podcast. Welcome back to our show about a show. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a podcast where we talk about everyone's favorite story, Passions. Oh, it's so good. I really enjoyed this week. Even though not a lot happened, I I don't know, it was a nice like reprieve from the really, really crazy stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was lighthearted. It was a lot of recap. These are the episodes where if you, I don't know, if you just randomly decide to listen to this episode of Passions Podcast and don't want to go back, like, okay, I would recommend it. It's fun content. But you can very easily get into Passions by watching this group of episodes, get totally caught up and kind of skip some bullshit from season one. Yep, yep. They recap a lot in these episodes. And I was telling Laura earlier today, I looked to see when they were broadcast and it was... This episode, 116 specifically, because we're talking about 116 through 120 today, were broadcast the week of December 14th. So it's like a lot of people are going to be home. This is the time to catch them up on Passions. People are going to be home catching up on their episodes. So it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah, sense. Totally. So let's get into it. Let's do this. So let's get started in Santa Fe, shall we? We must. Shall we go to Santa Fe? We shall. So in Santa Fe, you might remember that Martin has escaped. He's gone. And Julian had everything to do with it. It's entirely unclear exactly how he escaped (laughs) because they didn't give us a sound effect or show us what happened. And then they told us things that didn't make sense with what we knew to be true. So Martin has disappeared into the ether and it's a fucking mystery. Yeah. They say he probably went out the window, but did you notice the windows weren't even open? Like what? He went out the window and took the time to close the window on his way out and lock it from the inside (laughs) even though he's on the outside like it whatever okay magic but anyway it's magic um Luis and Sheridan are in his that hotel room like looking around for clues and uh Luis is questioning Sheridan because she's really like anxious because he Luis is saying I'm still not sold that this is my father right Right. And Sheridan's really just like tied up in knots about this and anxious. And of course, Luis is like, why are you so wrapped up in this? And again, she's like, it's for Pilar. (laughs) Yeah, she keeps trying to pretend that she has nothing to do with this. And it's like, girl, (laughs) we all know that you are far too invested for this to just be about Pilar. Like, it, it doesn't make sense. But, yeah, Louise is like, whatever. I, where the hell did Julian go? <laughs> right. Well, that's the big question, because Julian disappeared. And uh, they want to know what his connection is to Martin, because it's very clear that they know each other. Mm-hmm. But they don't know how they know each other. And we don't either. We don't know anything. <laughs> we know nothing. We, do, we know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> we know nothing. <laughs> so... We've been watching this for so long. And we know nothing. Are we like 10% of our way through this show? <laughs> Not. We can't even be close to 10%. 116 out of how many? Oh, 2,000. Yeah. Like 5%. Okay. <laughs> I, if my math is correct, it might not be. Might not be right. It's too early to do math, girl. I'm not. Dude, especially percentages. But anyway, where is Julian? We don't know. Yes, we do. Where is he? He's outside talking to Miller. I didn't write it down. Oh, I did. I wrote Julian is outside talking with Miller. (laughs) (laughs) I just wrote it in a different area in my notes. (laughs) He's outside talking to Miller. 
Yeah, he slipped out of the hotel room and has somehow evaded Harmony's finest. And basically, Julian and Miller uh, say how important it is to keep this secret. What secret? I don't know. We just know that it's important to keep a secret. Yeah, Julian says, I'll stop at nothing to protect my family's name, so you better find Martin. And so they go to the nearest bar, assuming, correctly, that Martin would be there getting sloshed, and he is. So they go and uh, threaten him, basically. Yeah, well, Julian... (laughs) Julian asks him why he disappeared. And he's like, well, I thought that's what you wanted me to do. (laughs) Julian's like, why'd you disappear? I thought that's also what Julian wanted him to do. Yeah, he was like, I thought that's what you wanted me to do. And then he's like, well, you threatened to tell Luis and Sheridan everything. Why'd you do that? And he was like, well, I was just bluffing. I wasn't going to tell them anything. You know, I was just trying to buy you some time to figure something out. But then you didn't. And I left. I I don't know. Again, it's all very unclear what's I mean, going on. I think Martin's explanation makes sense. That's kind of what I assumed. Because if I was Martin and this man was like obviously trying to like give me clues and get me to leave, I'd like do everything I could to follow those instructions right. <laughs> without being obvious. So, I mean, I get it. But basically, Martin says uh, enough is enough. Like, I'm not going to spill the beans um, on the condition that you give me more money because mm-hmm. what you gave me before was not enough and I've, I've gone through it already. But Julian will not play ball with Martin. So he tells Miller, put this dude on a bus, give him a new ID, keep him away from Harmony, keep him away from Luis, the end. Yeah. I mean, Martin does look at Julian in his eyes and with his full chest says, I mean, you seem to really need me to cooperate and if you want me to cooperate, you should give me some more money. But Julian, I mean, he, th- he flat out threatens Julian. Mm. Julian doesn't take it well. And he does finally just say like, now put him on a bus, give him a new ID. But we need to remember that fucking threat. Cause it's, it, it's important. And I think Martin meant it. Yeah. 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 Martin definitely meant it. I think so. Martin's a man who will follow through. Yeah. So then back at the hotel where Luis and Sheridan are like looking for clues or anything. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're still in that room looking through what they hope might be some of Martin's things, but they're not finding anything. Okay. And Luis says he is determined to stay in Santa Fe until he figures out what happened or who Martin is basically. And Sheridan is relieved by this information because she really wants to know too. And then he looks over and he finds the pocket knife, picks it up, and it says MF on it. And he realizes it's the pocket knife that his mother had bought for his father many Christmases ago. And he says all things, it's it's looking like all of this means that this man is my father. Like, he is basically sure that Martin is his father. And Sheridan is Fully relieved. <laughs> yeah, she says, my nightmare is over, thank God. But for Luis, his nightmare is just beginning. Sheridan is fully <laughs> relieved. She's like, oh, thank God I didn't kill Martin. Girl, the the leap. It was such a leap that you killed Martin in the first fucking right. place. <laughs> it's such a leap. I don't know. What if this knife is like motherfucker? What if that's what the MF stands for? You know, like it doesn't mean that it's Martin's knife. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's also it also could just be evidence that there was foul play in Martin's disappearance, mm-hmm. right? That this man is not Martin and actually has something to do with Martin's like possible death, yeah, possible murder, or you know? it's a seedy motel in Santa Fe and Martin like stopped off one time and left it there. 
You know what I mean? And people just haven't gone through the drawers and found it. Well, he found that he found the knife on the floor in a after because he says it it must have fallen out of his pocket on in the scuffle. It's like I didn't watch the episode. It's like you didn't watch the episode. <laughs> I really didn't understand anything in Santa Fe. No, they found the knife on the floor and said that he must have lost it in the scuffle. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like I did not understand anything in Santa Fe. I took very little notes because I was so confused. All of my notes were asking clarification questions. Well, Luis and Sheridan, after Luis finds that knife, he sits down on the bed and he's pretty sad. And he and Sheridan share kind of a tender moment. And um, she basically gives him some encouragement and tells him that, you know, she sees how loyal he is to his family and like how he the important things matter to him and you know she basically kind of compliments him and tries to build him up and say like what a great man he really is and he looks at her and says I think I was wrong about you and Sheridan says ditto <laughs> like I, I think I might have been wrong about you too yeah I thought this was a nice moment. yeah it was really nice well who comes in to ruin this nice moment Julian of course Julian comes back to this hotel room and Luis is like, where the hell have you been? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I was out looking for Martin, but he got away. We're wasting time. <laughs> yeah, well, Julian's like, well, I, what, am I supposed to stay here while some lunatic is shooting? It's like, there were no gunshots. There were no gunshots. <sighs> I mean, if there were gunshots, I'd be all with Julian. Like, fuck yeah. Why, why, if somebody's shooting, I'm not going to stand outside the door where they're shooting. But yeah. nobody shot anything. Right. He did have a gun, though. So, I mean, I personally would have been gone. <laughs> and I wouldn't have and come back. And I wouldn't back. have gone back. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't have come back. But Julian did. And then he tells them that they're wasting their time because she, um, Luis tells him, you know, we're not giving up on finding Martin. And uh, Julian says, you're wasting your time. Martin is long gone. You'll never, you'll probably never see him again. And Luis is like, how can you be so sure? It seems like you know something we don't know. But Julian slithers his way out saying, well, he's a thief and a smart man. And by now he's halfway to Alaska and has, he, he will change his name. You'll never catch up with him. <laughs> well, little does Julian know that Miller is not up for the task of keeping Martin in line. Because uh, while he goes to prepare things for Martin's departure, Martin, like, picks up a big glass bottle outside of the bar. Yeah, he had, I think he had walked out with a beer bottle. Like, I think he just like had, he like knew what he was going to do. And he bashes Miller over the head mm. and robs him, promptly robs this man. And uh, he heads to the bus depot because Martin is going to Harmony. Martin's coming to Harmony. Yeah. And uh, he, he gets there in these episodes, so. Yes, he does. He gets there mighty fast. So fast. Remember, so fast. Remember how long it took for uh, Grace and Faith to meet each other? Yeah. Like 45 episodes? Yeah. Well, also, I mean, a bus trip across, across the, the country, country would take days, if not yeah. a week. And uh, Sheridan and Luis and Julian all fly back to Harmony, and they seem to get back to Harmony the same day. Right, <laughs> they, roughly around the same time. They seem yeah. to get to Harmony the same day. So, yeah. Anyway, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna harp on the the time space continuum and in this whole thing. Uh, so they leave. They go to Harmony too. They they say, okay, we're giving it up here in Santa Fe. 
let's go back to Harmony. We'll regroup there. So they hitch a flight back on Julian's plane back to Harmony. There you go. We should talk about some of our uh, favorite people in Harmony, see what they've been up to. Uh, how do you feel about going to Teresa, I Ethan, feel, and Gwen? I feel great about it. <laughs> I feel fantastic. God, I love Teresa and I hate Gwen. I love Teresa and I hate Gwen. I, I, okay, so this is my first time watching it. So I think because of that, I probably don't hate Gwen as much as you do. I do not like Gwen. I uh, I love Teresa and Ethan is getting on my nerves. My last But I don't nerve. hate Gwen. Like, I get where she's coming from. I get where she's coming from, but I do not like her. And, like, she's a grown-ass woman. I don't know. Just stop. Leave this child alone. Whatever. Let's let's talk about these people. Okay. So, Winnie and Teresa have come back to Teresa's house after being at the church. Yep. Decorating um, for Christmas. Decorating for Christmas. They missed all of the, all of the, like, angel stuff. They went right. home before any of that happened. Yeah, they were doing their own thing. Yeah, and she's like reeling from her encounter with Ethan. She just is over the moon, which of course she is, because let us let us not forget that this man came an inch away from her mouth <laughs> yeah. and looked into her, dead in her eyes, and again with his full fucking chest, looked in her eyes and said, it's like looking into a Monet. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He went on a speech. About how beautiful her eyes were. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Insane. Of course she has feelings for you. Uh, okay. Anyway. And of course she believes that Ethan will be hers. Mm-hmm. And of course Whitney says Ethan will break your heart. And then of course the doorbell rings. Of course the doorbell rings. And it's Ivy. Unexpected. Very unexpected. And I had a problem with this. I'm not on the clock. Why are you showing up to my house to give me work? Uh, and why are you not picking up the phone to call me? It was beyond invasive. Mm-hmm. If my boss showed up at my front door and was like, oh, I need you to do some work for me. Bitch, no. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you can leave now. You couldn't have sent me an email? Seriously. Or pick up a phone and call me? Like, yeah. 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 Well, it's Ivy there. And she tells Teresha that she needs her to pick up some invitations to her dinner party, which is happening tomorrow. And uh, I, I, here's the thing. Who invites somebody to a dinner party less than 24 hours? With You know what I mean? Who gives, right. gives them an invitation? A formal invitation that you're receiving with less than 24 hours notice. notice. I, I understand if it's informal, like, hey, I'm having this last minute get together. Do you want to come over? But you've had printed invitations yeah. prepared for and, this? And she wants them hand delivered and the party is tomorrow. tomorrow. Right, right. I, I was just like, who who's going to that party? It wouldn't be me. I have plans. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the Christmas season. Like, there's a million parties. There's a million festivity things. I don't know what I'm talking about. But there's so much going on at Christmas time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Teresa's a child, so all of this goes over her head. And she doesn't even realize that she is her labor is being fully exploited at this fucking point. Mm. And she is thrilled to help Ivy with this party stuff. And she sees the Bennett's names on the invitation list and she's like oh I couldn't I could even uh deliver those myself because they don't live far from here well Pilar hears overhears all of this and she looks at Ivy and she's like you invited the Bennett's (laughs) 
but she doesn't say anything until after the girls leave. So Whitney and Teresa run off to run Ivy's errands for her (laughs) in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night. It's nighttime because the next episode rolls over to the morning. Yeah. It's, it's It's the middle of the night. (laughs) It's after dinner. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. But anyway, they leave and Pilar, (laughs) Pilar's like, Ivy, please. (laughs) Like, please, your past relationship with Sam is from the past and it needs to stay that way. Please stop doing this. Yeah, but Ivy says, you know, you worry too much. I'm perfectly capable of keeping my feelings for Sam in check. And then Pilar brings up Julian. She's like, what if Julian figures this out? And she's like, Julian couldn't discover the truth unless it was at the bottom of a bottle of scotch. I wrote that down, too, because I loved it. So now we're setting up that Julian is an alcoholic, I guess. Yeah. Like, cause he, I love it. He is constantly drinking or being accused of being drunk, basically. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, Ivy then claims that Grace stole Sam from her. And Pilar sets the record straight. She's like, look, Sam loved you. And he was devastated with you left him. But he met Grace years later, years after you left him. And they're married now and they're happy. So like, leave it alone. I loved also in Ivy's like response because Pilar says, what about Grace? And uh, Ivy says, I don't care about Grace. (laughs) She yells it and I love it. I get it. I mean, I care about Grace, but I get it. I don't care about Grace. She doesn't. She doesn't. And I I love, I love her honesty. I really just love her honesty in these moments with Pilar. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't agree with what she's doing, but I, I can't look away. Right. Like I really enjoy like getting in, seeing authentic Ivy. Cause that's the only, the only time she's authentic is when she's talking to Pilar. Mm -hmm. Anybody else she's into, she's interacting with. She has like these huge secrets, but Pilar knows all her secrets. So I guess, I don't know. I just really enjoy these moments because you really get to see who Ivy really is. Well, I kind of like it. And it's also just thrilling because she's constantly trying to blow up her life. (laughs) And Pilar is like, no, you can't put the fork in the light socket. Don't do that. Pilar's just constantly putting out the fuse. Always. (laughs) Always. And so Pilar's response to this is like, look, there are children involved. It's not just you and Sam and Grace. You you can choose not to give a fuck about Grace, but there are kids, right? Yeah. Um, And she says, you can't peek into Pandora's box. You can only leave it shut or you can open it. Um, and Ivy's like, I'm only asking Sam to share a Christmas dinner. Yeah. It's like, that's not what you're asking. Yeah. And, and uh, Pilar says, you know, if you open that box, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And so mm-hmm. now let's get back to Ethan, Teresa, Gwen. Cause the only reason we have to talk about Ivy here is because she imposes, she comes into these people's homes, mm-hmm. but that's all that happens there. Ivy leaves. She is determined to invite the Bennett's to her home. Hell bent. Hell bent. Whatever, girl. So uh, let's go get back to our love triangle. Yeah, let's talk about Gwen. Mm-hmm. Gwen at work yep. instead of men at work. Gwen at work. <laughs> she, uh, what does she do? I don't know. She's in an office. All of a sudden she has a job. I mean, I know they've been saying she had a job. It's just at first she was like a debutante. Also, she like went to Paris. I don't know. What kind of job do you have? do you have that you can... Just, like, go to Paris at a moment's notice. Well, I'm sure she's, like, the executive. I'm sure she's the head boss at whatever job she does. Yeah. Because she, she had her own big office. It's also late at night, and she's there. You know, she's at work, and, well, 
I don't know. I don't know. What is what? Hopefully, we find out what Gwen does at some point. Yeah, probably business. <laughs> I feel like everyone works in business. She's a business lady. She's a businesswoman. All right, so she's sitting in her office and she's looking at that a picture of Ethan. Yes, and she says to the picture, "Why can't you see that Teresa is after you?" And then she throws it in the trash. Mm-hmm. She should have left it there. She should have, but she didn't. She pulled it out from the trash. And all like Ethan is standing in the doorway, but she doesn't see him. And uh, he's like, you can't throw me away, Gwen. <laughs> so you do still love me. <laughs> and she's like, it's a nice frame. I'll replace the picture. La- I'll replace the picture later. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. I was like, girl, that's a nice frame. <laughs> when she threw it in the trash, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, that's a really nice frame. Just take the picture Just out. Just take the picture out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And so Ethan says, you can't throw away my picture because you love me. And then he calls her a liar. I wrote down, Ethan calls Gwen a liar. Ha ha. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't write I don't enough. know where that note come, is coming from. I mean, I don't doubt that it happened. I just don't. I don't know. That's I don't have that. Yeah. I think I think it must have been like she she threw away the picture and, and she's like, Something oh, about she's the saying frame. it's just the frame. And yeah. he's like, oh, no, you're, he's like, I know you're lying. It's about oh, okay. me. It's not about the frame. I know you're lying. And oh, it's like, okay. okay, Ethan. So then uh, she continues to question, like, why are you willing to fight for and believe in Teresa and you're not willing to do those things for me and you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go back and forth and back and forth. And at one point, and, and, Gwen's making a lot of good points, good arguments. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Ethan says, you would have made a good lawyer. You would have won every case. And she says back, unfortunately, I can't win in the court of love. I loved it. I loved that line. It's, I mean, is it, was it ridiculous? Such a soap opera line. Is it absurd? I, yes, but was it perfect? Was it over the top in exactly the right way? Also, yes. Yeah, the perfect soap opera line. Yeah. She continues to try to convince Ethan that Teresa's in love with him. Honestly, I don't know why she's fucking bothering. I don't know why she bothers with him at this point. It's been a lot. And I mean, she laid it all out and I'm not going to do it all again, but it's been a lot. It's been a lot. And she tells him that she's like, until you can make me believe that no one will come between us, I can't be with you. And I certainly can't marry you. Yeah. Well, he finally says, you know, stop blaming Teresa. If there's anyone to blame, it's me. I shouldn't have waited so long to propose to you. And then he goes on to say, but every time I proposed to you, it was because I loved you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And then Gwen's like, well, and I believed you and I could kick myself for turning you down twice. Like this conversation takes a turn. Mm -hmm. Gwen was mad and now she's not doesn't seem mad anymore. She's just like, oh, uh, sad, I guess. And well, they have to keep her around in order to create the love triangle. You know, they can't get rid of Gwen. So if she's just angry and doesn't want to be with him, it doesn't work. Well, and then she said, but but it can't turn on a dime. Well, they did. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It, it yeah. just turns on a dime. It doesn't the, the it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. The, the trajectory of this conversation from how serious the accusations are to mm. where they go it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. in the time period but again it's the time warp that's the passion's time warp yeah but she's saying she could kick herself for turning him down twice and then 
Ethan's like, so you've changed your mind? And it seems like she has, but, but no, no, the answer's still no. She says, I know I'm going to regret this, but my answer is still no. Then why bring it up? Well, I think she's offering a challenge to him. If you can prove to me that I'm the only one in your life, then I'll be with you. But the ball is in your court, buddy. It's not in my court. It's not for me to agree to marry you. It's for you to prove yourself to me. Mm, Yeah. Well, then she says, but then she starts to talk about how neither of them have ever been with anybody else Mm -hmm. because their mothers basically planned their weddings from the time or their wedding from the time that they were children. So then it seems like she kind of wants to be with other people, which would make sense. Yeah. I, I kind of wonder if she is having just having a hard time letting go of Ethan, mm-hmm. even though she knows she needs to. I think that makes sense, especially, like you said, they haven't been with anybody else. The, you know, better the devil you know, right? Yeah. Well, then she goes back to Teresa, and she's like, until you can make me believe that no one's going to come between us, no matter how innocent she may seem, I have to say no, because she thinks that Teresa is a snake, which I mean, I wouldn't call Teresa a snake, but she definitely is trying her damnedest <laughs> to get her man. Maybe not a snake in the grass, but she's in the grass. Yeah, she, she's lying in wait. <laughs> that she is. That's for sure. And so Ethan brings up the tree ceremony, the tree lighting ceremony that's happening uh, tomorrow in Harmony. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So tomorrow they're doing a big tree lighting ceremony and he's like, you know, Teresa is supposed to be there. Um, Her boyfriend will be there. Maybe if you get to meet the boyfriend and see them together, it will convince you that she's not after me and we can move forward with our relationship and put this all behind us. Yep. And Gwen agrees to this cockamamie scheme. This is cockamamie. You know why? Because we have real big problems. And me, if me seeing Teresa with her boyfriend will not fix these very fundamental foundational issues but again ethan's a dum-dum like he but gwen, gwen agrees to it well gwen agrees to it because she thinks that it's going to prove to ethan that Teresa doesn't have a bow and that she's after him so gwen's like fine i will go do this with you but it's only going to prove my point like that's why <laughs> yeah. she agrees yeah all right so let's get into some magic shit Yes. <laughs> Shall we? Because uh, down at St. Mary Margaret's Church in the basement, some angel statues have been stored and are uh, coming to life and speaking to charity and the other kids. Well, at this point, because I thought that too for a second, but then later on we realized the, the statues at this point are only moving and glowing. They're not talking. Mm. The kids, the, charity is the only person who has heard them speak. Ah, okay. Yeah. The the statues are moving in the basement of this church. Mm. Um, because according to Tabitha, who's spying outside, of course, through the window, uh, they want Charity to become aware of her powers, and there's nothing Tabitha can do to stop them because she can't set foot inside of a church. Because she'll explode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, are you crazy? <laughs> we can't go in there. Because Timmy's like, we have to do something. We have to go in there and help them. Yeah. <laughs> Timmy's so sweet. Timmy is like... Very anti-killing charity. He loves Tab. He loves everyone. He loves his princess Tabitha, but he's he's not on board for all this murdering. No, no. T- he 
she did not put evil into him. She just brought him to life and yeah. gave him his own personality. <laughs> he just honestly, he wants to play his little toy piano and like sing songs and have little parties and get rid of Fluffy. Like that's Timmy. That's yeah. all that Timmy wants. <laughs> Eat some cookies. We know Timmy's objectives. Drink some more Timmy's. <laughs> Basically, I'm Timmy. I've just realized. <laughs> oh my God. I just want to sing songs, play the piano, drink and eat cookies. I'm Timmy. Yeah. I, yeah. You are Timmy. <laughs> no that's, wonder, that's not a bad place. No wonder I identify with him. That's a good person to be, though. Oh, my God. I'm Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> that realization is hilarious. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. You sing better than Timmy, though. Oh, he tries his best. <laughs> So these statues are glowing, right? And then, you know, Sam, Grace, Father Lonigan, and Hank come down into the basement. And once they get there, everything stops. So they don't see the statues moving. Nothing. Right. Uh, and all the kids tell them, we just saw these statues m- moving and lights were going crazy and something is happening down here. Father Lonigan is on board. Mm-hmm. Grace is almost on board. Sam and Hank are a little more level headed and they want to come up with an explanation for why that, you know, is, is rooted in reality and not magical and all this other stuff. So they, uh, they go off, go investigate. Yeah. In search of a reasonable explanation for this phenomenon. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, during all this, Simone pulls Kay aside and tells her, look, if charity is blessed or something like that, you can forget about me being on your side. I love it. Because I'm not about to cross her if God is on her side. Yes. (laughs) And it was so funny. And Kay starts to think, well, maybe Charity is special. Because the kids all saw that the statues were pointing at Charity. Right. They didn't hear them speak, but they were absolutely pointing at Charity. Mm -hmm. And uh, then outside, Tabitha starts to panic. She's like, no, Kay can't start to give up on separating Miguel from charity, you know, she's like, what, what's going to happen? She's like, it's going to mean disaster for all of us. Well, luckily in this moment, Hank and Sam come back with a reasonable, not so reasonable explanation. Okay. (laughs) So basically there's some foundational issues in the church and there was like a crack in the floor and it's not like a sinkhole situation, but because of the crack in the floor and the way that the light was streaming in through the window, it created this illusion that looked like the statues were moving what yeah what he, he said that a, wa- a water pipe froze and broke and it made the floor crack and then once the kids stepped onto the floor because it was unstable it made it look like the statues statues were moving no no they were pointing yeah and tabitha uh you know, knows all of this, but rejoices because she's like, ah, Sam is too reasonable to believe in supernatural things. We're off the hook. We're off the hook. Also, Kay takes Simone aside and says, I bet Charity planned all of this. Maybe her little innocent act is just that, an act. Maybe she's really evil and has a devious mind. Yeah. She, okay, Kay. She planned all of this and freaked out and the whole thing was intended to garner sympathy from Miguel. Yeah. Only Kay could think that. Only Kay could twist it into that. I mean, that's like 18 leaps. It's some bullshit she would think up and do. <laughs> she would try to do it. She would try to do she that. She would fail to execute that. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. Kay, I just thought it was funny. That's such a crazy thing to 
say and do yeah whatever well she says you know uh charity's mom used to talk about evil all the time and so so i think that's how she makes one of the first leaps so (laughs) so everybody is happy to accept this uh reasonable not so reasonable explanation pretty much Mm -hmm. but then charity says wait i heard the statues talk and they said evil is here and that I have to fight it. And this interests father Lon again. He's like, wait, they spoke to you. Right. Uh, they said evil is here in the church. And then he starts to sense Tabitha's presence. Mm -hmm. And even though he can't see, he's like, his body is turning towards the window. His face is looking, well, is facing (laughs) the window. He's like, would be looking out to where he could see Tabitha and Timmy hiding. And he asks Grace to take a look and says, Grace, do you see anyone through that window? And she turns and looks and says, oh my gosh. And what is it? Snow. It's fucking snow. She was like, oh, nothing there. It's just, there's no one there. It's just that my son Noah went for a ski trip and I just realized it's snowing and I hope he doesn't get, I hope he made it there before the snow came in because I hate to, for him to be driving in the snow whatever grace yeah it basically they just wanted to uh distract us and talk about a new character noah who i assume we'll be meeting soon i guess i don't know maybe not i don't know i don't remember noah i'm i mean i i don't i don't know oh okay i have no clue maybe they're just throwing it in there because they're like eventually we have to meet these characters and we can't just introduce a son that has never been talked about well yeah also they just like had to make it seem like Grace saw something because she goes, oh, my God. And it cuts to commercial. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, what is it? But it's something unimportant. Yeah. <laughs> it's something it's unimportant. snowflake. A single it's, snowflake. Yeah. It's asinine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she doesn't see them. Tabitha and Timmy have, like, dicked off somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> Like, we got to scoot. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> they walk off. So then Ta- Sam tells uh, uh, Charity that she must have just imagined the voices. And then all the kids leave the basement. They're all like, okay, this sounds good. <laughs> and they all leave. Mm-hmm. And then Sam tells Father Lonigan, don't worry, we'll help you fix the crack in the floor. But Father Lonigan's like, I don't give a fuck about that crack. <laughs> <laughs> I care about the evil. He was like, he was like, that's not what made the angels move and speak. God is sending us a message, a warning. Time will prove me right. There's more going on here than you can see. Mm. All right. Mm. Father, Father Lonigan, Lonigan. Father Lonigan may be, may be blind, but he, he can sees see. more than everybody else does. Correct. Yep. Correct. So... So Tabitha, Tabitha. So everyone decides to head home basically, but Kay makes an excuse, uh, something about going to the drugstore. She just needs a minute alone. Cause she's annoyed with charity. And, uh, while she's outside, uh, Tabitha approaches her and speaks with her about the tree lighting ceremony that's happening tomorrow night. And basically explains, oh, you know, Santa Claus picks the prettiest girl to light the tree. And then she picks a boy to help her. And it's this whole thing. And Tabitha says, well, you know, it's a perfect opportunity to show up the other girl because Santa's obviously going to pick you. You're the most beautiful girl in Harmony. Teresa is the most beautiful girl in Harmony. And I feel like everybody knows it. Or Whitney. Or Whitney. I was going to say Teresa or Whitney. They're, Whitney is 
gorgeous. Yes. Their heads and shoulders above these other girls. Yeah. They're all beautiful, but they're all beautiful. But these two are like glamorous world. They're <laughs> out of this fucking world. It doesn't. It's it's insane yeah. how like, beautiful they are. Like if I went to school with Teresa and Whitney, and there was like a contest for like the prettiest girl, I would never think, yeah, I could, I might win that. If I went to school with Teresa and Whitney, I would change schools. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't really. But, um, only because I have no, no control over that. Right. I'm I'm zoned for this district. (laughs) I'm going to this school. (laughs) No. Yeah. So she, she tells her, Santa's definitely going to pick you a beautiful girl like you. And this is all the encouragement Kay needs. She's like, cool. She's like, yeah, I'll make sure I go. And Tab is like, well, make sure that other girl is there too. And Kay's like, I will. Because once he sees you with in a new light, once Santa, this is so flimsy. Once Santa picks you as the most beautiful girl in Harmony, the guy you like will, will cast that other girl aside right because santa thinks you're so beautiful (laughs) okay tabitha it makes no sense but tabitha is scheming to use this tree lighting ceremony in some way we don't know yet to get rid of charity so okay so her plans are in motion yeah we don't we don't understand them yet but we will soon Mm -hmm. so uh with that everyone departs they go home they go to bed and we start a new day in harmony well really quickly also in the town square because everybody's like out from the church but out in the town square also in the town square sam and grace talk about what happened at the church and grace is not convinced of sam's reasonable not so reasonable explanation she's like there's just too many she's right she's like there's just too many things that have led up to this for me to be able to uh cast off my doubt about evil being here. Um, and she says, I believe what father Lonigan said may be true. And Sam, Sam's like, nah, let's just focus on Christmas. <laughs> and then he literally sweeps her off her feet and says, I promise we'll go to every Christmas, uh, every Christmas party we are invited to keep that in mind. Cause Ivy has invited them. It's going to invite them to her party with a hand delivered invitation. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So everybody goes home. Everyone goes home, goes to bed, and we get a new day in harmony in episode 117. It's a new day in harmony, a new day. Can you feel the brand new day? Can you feel the brand new day? It's a brand new day. Uh, But people are still talking about magic. Yes, because, I mean, it's what else would you talk about? When you saw statues moving and glowing and saying, oh, you're the one, Charity. Fight evil, Charity. That's just crazy. Mm. Like, I I would be talking. I mean, I am talking about it. Yeah. I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still talking about it. Uh, but the Bennett family is, like, getting decorations. You know, they've kind of been working on, on decorating the house. And so they're doing some more, putting up the tree, uh, trimming the tree, like eating baked goods. Grace has this whole like tradition where she makes like scones and muffins and everyone wakes up and does like this whole thing and it's cute. And mm-hmm. They're basically just a model fucking family. Yeah. So while they're doing their tree trimming and everything, Tabitha stops by with her Timmy doll and she comes to the Bennett home to make sure that Charity will be going to the tree lighting ceremony. She wants to make sure that she can kill Charity tonight. That's right. <laughs> Tonight, and, we killed Charity. And Charity uh, 
pulls out the tree topper, which is an angel, and like starts to freak out. Like she starts having flashbacks of the statue. She's like, not again. Yeah. (laughs) She like sits down and she's like flipping out. And Sam reassures her that nothing supernatural happened to make the angels move. But Charity is not convinced because of the voices. And I'm with Charity on this one. It's like, no, you know, she experienced it. And there, if I experienced that, there was there would be no explanation you would be able to give me where it's like outside of evil or God, an act of God mm-hmm. that would satisfy me personally. Unless you sh- literally showed me like the the uh animatronics inside of the angels and the switch where it works like if you could make it recreate it then i would believe it but right. if you can't recreate it no I'm going with my story mm-hmm. sticking mm-hmm. with what i know i wrote uh sam basically said it is an illusion dorsey <laughs> <laughs> it's an illusion charity <laughs> that's a 90 day reference if you don't get it Go get it. <laughs> Go get it. Go get it. Go, Go watch, watch 90 Day. All 90 Day Fiance and their iterations. Oh, so good. Top notch. So good. If you like Passions, you will like 90 you Day will Fiance. You love 90 Day Fiance. Yes. It's like Passions, but with crazier people. It's like uh, all the bad choices that people in Passions are making, real people in the world are making <laughs> the same choices and yeah. you get to watch them. Yeah. And there's no magic except for the magic of stupidity. The magic of television. Yeah, Are the you magic kidding? Of television. It's great. It's so good. But anyway, uh, Tabitha barges in with a fruitcake. <laughs> and she says that she heard about what happened at the church. And she also says, you know, now maybe you'll know to be more careful when you go inside of a church. They're dangerous places. Grace doesn't like this. She's like, Tabitha, <laughs> you just said church is dangerous. And Tabitha kind of covers, but it's hilarious. She's like, yeah, oh, the churches are the dwelling place of <clears throat> the Lord. <laughs> like she like chokes <laughs> as she's trying to say it. And she's like, but that church is dangerous because of the weak foundation. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't talking about churches in general, just specifically St. Mary Margaret's. Right, right. It's a a hazard. That crack in the floor, man. Hilarious. You could trip and fall. Well, Grace, (laughs) this gets wackier and wackier. Grace invites Tabitha to help decorate the tree and, like, tries to give her the angel tree topper. And Tabitha pretends to be allergic to Christmas ornaments. (laughs) Look, I get why Sam doesn't like Tabitha. I get it. I get it. You pushed your way into my house. And then tell me you're allergic to decorating for Christmas? It is crazy. Like, I why are you here? I literally wrote, Sam hates that Tabitha is there. I don't know what prompted me to write that. I don't remember what he did or what he said. I but don't he know. he hates that she is there. I, I wrote, Sam is over it. And I don't know why. <laughs> he probably, oh, I do know why. Tabitha sits down. She's sitting there with her doll. Grace invites her to help out. And Tabitha's like, oh, no, I'm allergic to Christmas ornaments. And Sam looks at Jessica and Kay and rolls his <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all sitting on the couch and he's just like, oh, <laughs> I cannot with this woman. This old crone. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, tap of the pulls Kay aside to make sure that the girls are going to be going to the tree lighting. Kay says she doesn't know if the other girl is going but Tabitha tells her you must make sure she's there so that when Santa picks her or picks you uh, as the prettiest girl in town, she uh, will see 
whatever you know the crush it's the recap. whole thing it's, it's recap. recap i'm not gonna do this yep sorry good. no she's just no, you're good. she's just trying to get her to get to the, get charity to the tree lighting it's flimsy at best basically tabitha is using k as a pawn the end yeah so then Kay goes over to talk to Charity and she asks her if she's going to be going to the tree lighting with Miguel. But she says that Miguel is taking her to a rock concert. She specifically says a rock concert. And, uh, and in a side tab, it's like, oh, no, Charity and Miguel are going to die at the tree lighting tonight. Like, what? She's like, I, I don't know. Tabitha says, I hope that that church has floors strong enough to hold two caskets. Because Charity and Miguel will be lying in them side by side if I have anything to say about it. I was like, Miguel too? Yeah. So Tabitha is expanding her murderous, uh, devious plan. And she's going to kill Miguel and Charity. Yeah. Well, then at some point, Miguel arrives and Kay pulls him aside and mentions that Charity said they were going to a rock concert. And he says, yeah. Mark Anthony, I got great seats. Since when is Mark Anthony a rock concert? Since the writers of Passions don't know anything about contemporary music of the early 2000s. Since then. Since when? And then Kay's like, oh, well, she really wanted to go to the tree lighting, but she was afraid that she would disappoint you. And Miguel says, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just go and ask her. And Kay stops and is like, no, you can't do that. Because if you put her on the spot like that. She's not going to say how she really feels. And then Miguel comes up with a great plan. He says, oh, you know what? I'll just tape it. The The local station always broadcasts it. I'll tape it. That way we can go to the concert and she can still watch the tree lighting. Perfect. Solution, Sounds good to me. Solution yeah. driven, that Miguel. So apparently at this point, I'm, I'm, I realize the Bennets are having a tree trimming party. Yeah. That's what all of this is. Yeah, this is like an actual party. So I thought it was weird that Tabitha just like randomly showed up and was doing this thing. And it's like, oh, no, there's a party that's happening because all these other people start to show up. Yeah. The Russell show up. Pilar yeah. shows up. Yeah. Uh, can we quickly talk about Timmy and the Christmas cookies? Uh, that's my next. That's basically my next note, actually. We've OK. So Grace is, has all these baked goods that she's put out. She's preparing for this party. She puts a plate of cookies next to Tabitha and she's like, here, have a cookie. And Tabitha's like, oh, I'm watching my figure like I don't want to eat a bunch of sugar. No, thank you. And she's like, well, I'll leave them here just in case you change your mind. And what happens next? Girl, this was hilarious. So Sam comes over to get a cookie, but all of the cookies are gone. He's like, geez, Tabitha. <laughs> You ate all the cookies? And she's like, I haven't touched them. I didn't eat the cookies. And he's like, oh, who did then? The doll? And he picks up Timmy to frisk him. He's like, I'm going to frisk your doll. And he picks him up. And all of the Christmas cookies <laughs> fall out from Timmy's jacket. And it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> nobody knew what to say, what to do. And nobody said anything. We just all moved on. Because this woman, this old woman is pretending that she doesn't want any cookies, hides them all in her doll, and then it's like, oh, I don't know how that happened. It was so weird. <laughs> because that's what it looks like to them. Because they don't know that Timmy has agency and has stuffed all these cookies in his own pockets. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know if our retelling is funny at all, but you have to. You know what? I'll put a video on it the Instagram. The it was so funny. It was so, so, so <laughs> funny. Well, we get plenty of recap at this party because this is like these people haven't seen each other since Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're just catching each other up on their lives. Yeah. The Russells show up. The Lopez Fitzgeralds show up. Uh, yeah. 
Grace and Pilar talk about Father Lonigan. Um, uh, how he's worried for Harmony. Grace says, I also have a feeling like something terrible is happening. Grace also drops the bomb that she had invited the cranes to this party. Yep. Uh, and everybody, to everyone's dismay, yeah. <laughs> no one is happy about it. No one. Eve, like, tries to put on a brave face about it. She's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll talk about the hospital, I guess. And, and Sam and TC are not happy. These men hate the cranes. Oh, God, so much, which is understandable. Um, but during all of this, Tabitha manages to get Charity alone and convinces her, uh, try, basically kind of guilts her into going to the tree lighting by playing up the importance of the ceremony. She says, like, people come from all around to go to the ceremony, and it's a really important time for everybody, and I know that your Aunt Grace will be kind of disappointed that you don't get to see it and all of this. So that works on simple-minded charity. Simpleton charity. And she goes to Miguel and says she wants to go to the tree tree lighting and he comes up with another plan Miguel's like on top of things he's like we'll go to the tree lighting we'll leave early that way you can get um, see the tree lighting but we'll also have time to get to the concert great why why wasn't that the plan in the first place right I don't know I guess so they wouldn't have to rush yeah um, and leave the one thing early but whatever so he comes with a plan Charity says she's excited it's all good and Tabitha Delights in this and has the craziest flashback yet. This, I didn't know what was going on. She was like, yes, tree lighting. I remember one special tree lighting. And then she has a flashback to, what do you think? The 1940s, 50s? I thought maybe the 30s. Oh, kind of depression era? I thought it was doing like a Miss Hannigan thing. Okay, I can see this. So we, yeah, that makes sense. So we're going to like depression era. Tabitha strolls into what appears to be an orphanage because there's a bunch of little kids clutching like Christmas toys and looking sad. There's a bunch of little girls, little little girls. girls. Every (laughs) night I eat, sleep, and breathe them. them. There's a lot of little girls with their dolls, you know. With their dolls. And um, Tabitha lights the Christmas tree on fire, looks at the children and says, by the way, there's no Santa Claus and leaves. And I don't know why we got this flashback. Is it because they want us to see that Tabitha is evil? Like, is it because we get so attached to Tabitha and we start to like kind of root for her and then like, you can't root for this woman. She's evil. I think it's probably too. Yeah, I think there's that. But I also think Tabitha is such a favorite that they also just want to give us more fun Tabitha. Yeah. And Tabitha intimidating orphaned children and burning <laughs> oh down their God. Christmas tree is fun. It's lighthearted, I guess. I don't know. I was aghast. <laughs> I was appalled yeah. at this. I was like, this is awful. Why would they, why did they show me this? I, I think it's kind of like Tabitha killing that guy at the gas station. Like yeah. they just have to pepper in some horrible Tabitha. Tabitha set an orphanage on fire by setting their Christmas tree ablaze. Yep. Okay. Talk, talk about a ruined Christmas. So back at this party, Ivy shows up. Ooh. Ivy Crane has arrived to the party, and uh, TC and Eve kind of wonder why she's there. They're talking like, "What is she doing here?" I, I, nobody knows. Sam is very uncomfortable. Extremely. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> poor Sam. 
Oh, yeah. Everyone's very uncomfortable except Grace, who is thrilled by the fact that Ivy has showed up because, you know, she's kind of enamored of her and loves the idea that she can get, you know, get to know her a little better. And Grace only sees the best in people. So she doesn't realize that Ivy strolling in with an ornament uh, is not for Grace. It's Mm -mm. for Sam. And uh, Grace asks Sam to help Ivy hang the ornament on the tree. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Also, Pilar's at this party. I feel so bad for Pilar. She can't enjoy anything. She can't be anywhere without her fucking boss showing up and ruining her mood. Mm-hmm. Because Pilar, again, is like, okay, I'm going to try this one more time. Let's try and talk sense into Ivy. She, well, and she talks to her in the kitchen, and she tells her, you know, you're going to destroy two marriages, and there are children involved. Because Ivy tries to compare her losing Sam to Pilar losing Martin. And the two are not the same, which is again, Teresa did that same bullshit Mm -hmm. and the two are not the same, but Ivy and Teresa are so much alike. They're so much alike. And it's, it's so interesting to me. Yeah. It's really so interesting. They're very similar They're Yeah. They just, they think the same way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ivy tries to compare her situation with Sam to, to Pilar's situation with Martin and Polaris is like, let me stop you right there. I would love, I would do anything to have my husband back, but it wouldn't destroy two full families. Doing that wouldn't destroy any right. families. What you are doing is going to destroy two families. And on top of it, you're really going to hurt Ethan. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, he is going to carry the brunt of the damage. And Ivy's like, oh, I would never, ever do anything to hurt Ethan. All I know is I want Sam, and I was forced to give up on him. Yeah. It's like, Ivy, like, you made a bad choice and you regret it well but what does she mean i was forced yeah, to give up on i him. feel like there's more to this story and that's when i was like maybe there's a lot more to this because she does say she says, all i want is what i once had and was forced to give up she says she was forced to give it up mm-hmm. and i want to know what because also julian and ivy have some sort of deal Right. So I wonder what that all of that is. And I wonder if it has something to do with her father because he was the governor. Maybe they had some kind of dirt on him or needed some kind of political favor. And in exchange, he like gave them his daughter. I don't know. I mean, that's how a lot of things went for hundreds of years. I want a thing. Here's my daughter in exchange. Like that's what marriage was until very recently. I don't know. So I'm, I'm, ho- I'm going to hold my judgment for on Ivy on some of these things. I'm going to, I'm going to hold back. Okay. I'm going to hold I'm back. I'm going to try to, but I'm having a hard time because, because she's just so blatantly flirting with Sam. Mm. And every time he shuts her down and talks about his love for grace, she just blows past it. So while he's helping her hang an ornament on the tree, <sighs> Ivy says to him, you know, I love a faithful man. As long as he's faithful to me. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. Ivy. I loved it. I think she just will not leave. The- she is harassing this man. <laughs> harassing this man. I wonder. She's if- stalking him. She showed up to his house. <laughs> she and Teresa are the same. She, she was invited. <laughs> she was invited. She was invited. She would not have gone had she not been invited. She showed up to talk to Teresa at her house randomly. Well, that's some other bullshit. Yeah. That that's some classism. That's some other bullshit. Mm. This this is about love, Laura. Oh my god, no. <laughs> no. No, honestly, <laughs> I wonder if the the how much I really like 
Ivy and Teresa says something about me and I wonder what that thing is. Cause I, I think, like I think what it is so is much. that like you are far more proper and you enjoy the impropriety of every choice they make. <laughs> it. Cause it's so outside of what you would do. Oh my God. Oh, but never, never. I would die of shame. I would, <laughs> I would puff into, into a, a bit of dust and disappear from the earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could never, I could never do some of the things that they do. Well, Especially gonna... a lot of the stuff Teresa does. I love these two though. And I, I just, I want, I, I do want them to win. I want Teresa to win at Gwen's expense, but I don't want Ivy to win at, at Grace's expense. I don't either, but I'm afraid she's going to, I think Ivy's going to get, she's so dead set on getting Sam back and nothing can stop her. I think she's. I think she's gonna accomplish her goals. Yeah, I think she. And that probably, makes me sad. I think she'll probably find a way. Yeah. When we get there, I don't think you'll be as as sad. Okay. 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 All right. And it's years away. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. We've got like three years. We've got a few hundred episodes before yeah. it happens. It's it's years away at this point. Mm. But um, yeah. Ivy's flirting with. Sam, and then she invites the Russells and the Bennetts personally to her Christmas party, and they all grudgingly accept, all but Grace. Grace is, of course, excited to go, but uh, Eve is like, yeah, I guess we could go on behalf of the hospital since you did donate all that fucking money, and... (laughs) And of course, Sam's like, I have to go because Grace is like, remember, you told me we would go to every party we were invited to. Mm-hmm. He's like, God damn it. I tried to do a nice thing. <laughs> I, well, he never anticipated he would be invited back to the Crane Mansion for how, Christmas. How could you expect it after that disaster of a dinner party they tried to have one time months ago and then you haven't spoken to them since? <laughs> And then this woman randomly shows up at your house. How could you possibly assume this would happen? <laughs> Look, I cannot wait for this Christmas party because I also am wondering, I hope it's not like that dinner party. I hope it's actually more people, but I'm wondering if there's going to be a lot more people there at all. You know, they're making it sound like there will be quite a few people. Yeah. But if it's just the Russells <laughs> and the Bennets and the Cranes again, oh no. It's so funny. Just at Christmas. It's so funny. <laughs> But yeah, so she's invited them. They're all going to go. And that's tonight. That party is tonight. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah. Remember, we've turned over the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like Grace and Sam are having their tree trimming party. Then in the morning. In the morning. Then there's the tree lighting ceremony, like at the dusk. Evening, yeah. And then the crane Christmas party is happening later that night. Yes. That's a lot of Christmas that's all a, in one day. It's a lot. No, it's too much, frankly. It's too much (laughs) in one day. They're cramming so much into one day. Yeah. Well, they always do that. And then we have large swaths of time that go unaccounted for. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, they cram a lot into one day, but then sometimes we'll drag one day of nothing out, Mm -hmm. you know, just like with the the grace and faith stuff. Yeah. That went on forever. It really did. (laughs) And nothing happened. I really, I was just like, I guess this is what soap operas are. (laughs) I like I didn't know, so it's like, oh boy, oh, this is yeah. gonna be a long two thousand episodes. Yeah. But luckily, that went by quickly, and now we're into the really fun stuff. Yeah. So Tabitha goes home to dress up as Santa, and she comes back and she fools Timmy. Timmy tries to jump ship. He's like, Santa, can I be a an elf at the North Pole? Because the old lady I work for now is really evil and mean. 
Yeah, he <laughs> he uh, does not realize that Tabitha is a disguise and lets loose. He really lets the accusations fly. Yeah, he talks mad shit about her. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. To her face. Talk a big mess about Tabitha. Yeah. Well, then Tabitha, of course, reveals that it's her. And he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Tabitha tells us her plan. Finally. She unveils her plan to kill Miguel and Charity by electrocuting them to death when they pull the switch to light the Christmas tree in town. Mm-hmm. And she tests it on Timmy. She electrocutes Timmy. Luckily, he's a doll, so he didn't die. But she's like, pull that switch there. <laughs> and he does. And he's electrocuted. Poor Timmy. Yeah. Uh, and so she fries him and then she leaves to set her plan in motion. Yeah. She's like, you go get in the costume that's in your room. I got to go get some shit done. You better be dressed when I come back. And I don't care that Fluffy's standing in the way. Figure it out. Yeah. Well, Tabitha goes off. She finds the real Santa that's supposed to be picking the girl. Lures him back to her home with a promise of a hot toddy. Well, this man is also an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> like she, she, she uh, pulls Santa aside and, yeah, and lures him to her home like a serial killer because she sees him like chugging a bottle of booze off in a, a surreptitiously in a corner. And she like knocks the bottle over and empty, so that he doesn't have any more to drink. It's like, well, I can give you free booze if you come to my house. Yeah. So she brings him back to her home and roofies him. Yep. <laughs> she roofies Santa. She roofies Santa Claus. With a forget me now. I you remember forget me now? <laughs> yes. From Arrested Development. Oh my God. Yeah. I wrote Tabitha poisons Santa. Yep. And assumes his, adi- and assumes his identity. Oh my God. Yeah. Tabitha. What a great role. Perfect. What a great role. Amazing. Oh man. And so she also has Tammy all dressed up as an elf. He's so cute. And uh, she plans to have him short circuit the switch which of course he's gonna botch of course yeah so i didn't realize that it wasn't already basically set. yeah i thought she was gonna like, i thought she was gonna replace. replace the switch yeah no but she has given timmy a bag um it's like a it looks like a gift bag it's disguised so that the elf is carrying the gifts but in it it's just a bunch of tools to to change the uh, the switch to sort to short circuit it is what mm-hmm. she says okay so also at this point, Miguel and Charity are sneaking away from the Bennett home party, like Christmas trimming. What is it? Christmas tree trimming. Yeah. Trimming party, the tree. Whatever. Uh, and they go to the book cafe where Miguel has arranged to have hot cocoa alone with Charity. This was okay. weird. This was so weird. They come in and, and Beth, the waitress is like kind of doing a French bistro yeah. thing for them, but they're inside and she kind of is doing an accent. I think. Yeah, and then there was nothing special about it. She just sat them down at a the table. There was a candle. Yeah. I, I thought he was trying to do a nice special thing. Well, but the he only was. special thing was that Beth was like, Ah, oh, mademoiselle, here's your table. Like that was it. That was the only different thing from when they normally go to the book cafe. Well, he's sixteen, I guess. I don't know. He tells her, you know, the first time we went on a date it ended up being like a group hang and I want to make sure that we can really focus on each other and have a little time together. So this is what I did. And they have a night they do. They have a nice date. They talk about uh their plans for New Year's Eve and they tell each other how much they like each other and they talk a lot and then there's like a song playing. It's actually this- 
pissed me off. Keep oh, going. I'm sorry. Go I was going to say it's nice to see them actually talk. Yeah. Because uh, up to this point, there's been very little interaction between Miguel and Charity. And we are told that they like each other, but we don't see them connecting in any way until this episode, really. And they start to talk about um, Charity's getting some memories back about her mother, but then it makes her sad because then she remembers that her mother is is no longer with them. And... Uh, then she like changes the subject because she doesn't want to be sad. And so then Miguel talks about his some of his family stuff and talks about some of the memories that he has with his father who's missing. Like they start to they start to actually learn about each other. Yeah, absolutely. They it, they finally are talking to one another. Right. And not just and it's not just Miguel following her around, trying desperately to get her to talk to him or keep her alive yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so uh a song comes on there's a song playing in the background and charity notices it and she's like oh this song's so pretty and miguel's like oh yeah it's in spanish uh navidad especiales is how he said it that's how he said it navidad especiales especiales <laughs> and, and then he goes it's spanish and charity's like Oh, do you speak Spanish? And he says, well, quote, my mother's from the home country, so we all speak a little Spanish. What fucking country? Well, didn't you know it's the home slash old country? My mother's from the home country. Oh, my God. That sounds like my mom's from the home planet. The home planet. Well, and the reason it made me even angrier. Oh, was it in this scene? When Charity starts talking about how he's also Irish. Yes, it was right after it that. It was right after that. So it's like they are ex- they're explicitly talking about how he's half Irish. And they just refuse to commit to what Spanish-speaking country his family is from. That's exactly what I said about the Luis and Sheridan situation yeah. in New Mexico. Yeah. Where it's like, they're a Latin family. Child. They just won't do it. They won't do it. They were, wow. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, so then they talk to each other. It's very, it's all very nice. And uh, then they leave for the tree lighting ceremony. But then the next fucking scene, like they're outside. Yes. They talk outside for a long time. Yes. And then the very next scene, they are back inside of the book cafe eating nuts. Chestnuts. Eating warm nuts. <laughs> <laughs> These nuts eating some warm nuts. They're eating warm nuts. I was like, what the fuck is happening? This all is so sloppy. And then they go to the tree lighting. Yeah, they just go back and forth and back and forth. Whatever. Now everybody is at the tree lighting. Whatever. Yeah. I think this is a good time to take a break. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, we got to take a going to take a little break and we'll be back after these ads, after these messages. Don't go anywhere. After the same message you've heard we like should 55 probably, times. We should probably record another ad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Hello. Welcome back to Passions Podcast. Part duh. <laughs> Part due. <laughs> Part dose. I'm just speaking in, a different, in different languages like Miguel does. Dose. Your accent is about as good it's, as his, it's too. It's as good as his. Yeah. Especiales. Especiales. Oh, my God. Especiales? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, welcome back. So, we're going to backtrack a little bit. We're going to and end with our tree lighting, right? Yep. Let's go back to the beginning of this day for Sheridan 
Luis and Julian, have, who have just flown into Harmony from their extended stay in New Mexico. Yep, they get back to Harmony on the... Eh, whatever. So They're sorry. W- <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I just can't bear to talk about it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, they get back to Harmony and uh, Julian says the car is waiting for him and Sheridan to take them back to the crane mansion. He says, looks at Luis, says, you're on your own, buddy. This is where we part. And Luis is like, that's okay. My buddy Hank's coming to pick me up. Julian is such an asshole. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, we're waiting on a limo to pick us up. There is room for this man. Like, let's just give him a ride home. Julian's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Not interested. Well, he goes off to find the driver. He's like, where the devil is that driver? So he goes off to find the car or whatever. And Luis and Sheridan have a little conversation. And she tells Luis that she feels bad about what happened in Santa Fe. And she knows he's hurting. They just, he's, she, they're just getting such nice moments together. Yeah. And they have just gotten so much better. And I think because they started, it was so shitty at first. It just makes these moments even more enjoyable. Well, there was nowhere to go but up for these two. Yeah. You know, and at the beginning, they were kind of bringing out the worst in each other because they were irritating each other. They were kind of holding up a mirror to their own flaws, I think. Mm-hmm. And now they're moving past that and they're starting to bring out the best in each other, which yes. is really nice to see. But I'm loving this Sheridan. I'm loving this Louise. Me too. Sheridan asks him how he's going to break the news about Martin to his mother. And she offers to go with him to tell her just for support. And Louise says, thanks, but no thanks. This is something I have to do on my own. I'm going to have to tell her that the man she loved isn't coming home and that he's a total creep and he doesn't deserve her. Mm hmm. Yep. Julian comes back to get Sheridan and Hank also arrives to pick up Luis. And he is like, oh, don't forget you owe me that date. Don't forget about that date. He's just constantly badgering Sheridan. Right. Who doesn't like like she likes him. OK, he's fine, but leave her alone. But she's not interested in anything serious. And it's. That comes up later. But yeah. uh, I love because Julian and Hank kind of show up independently of each other. And Sheridan and Luis, like, you know, kind of do the introduction thing. And Julian does not care. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like, OK. And and like walks away like he won't even greet this new person. Well, and as he's leaving, because he heard Hank tell her about like, I'm going to call you about that date. And he as they leave, he quietly like teases her. And he's saying, just how low have you descended on the food chain in your search for a dating partner? Oh, me. Julian. Julian. Also, peak Julian. I think I said this to you outside of the podcast, but like we're getting peak Julian in this episode where even though he's saying shitty things, it's hilarious. Like his delivery is so good. The delivery is so good. The character is so well-rounded. This this actor makes the Best choices. Ben Masters. Masters. I think it's Ben Masters. Masters or Masterson? I think it's Masters. Okay. I think it's Masters. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. But he makes amazing choices. He does such great work to the point that I was like, do I love Julian? (laughs) I get it. He... He's he is excellent. He's great. He's just like this ridiculous buffoon who, like you said, like is really well rounded. Like there's so many layers and a lot of depth. And like, yeah, he's just he's great. Yeah, he's just great. 
he does well. Ben Masters, you were yeah. right. Yeah. He does well with this character. Be- like, it's beautiful, honestly. I'm get even again, like you said, even though Julian says awful things, once that shock, that initial shock has worn off, we expect it from Julian, right? Mm. It's like those first few episodes of him just saying and doing the most heinous things. It's like, ugh, this person's such slime. But now it's like we expect that from him. Yeah. And uh he's giving us even more. He's giving us even more, but in one-liners. Like, they're delivered just these beautiful little, like, one-sentence love notes <laughs> from from Julian Crane. Um, okay, so before they leave, I think we need to talk about how Sheridan uh, and Luis had a conversation about her compact mm-hmm. at the airport. Apparently, when he pushed her out of the way from the gunshot that didn't happen, <laughs> he, like her compact slipped out and he stepped on it and broke it. Mm -hmm. And she says, don't worry about it. Like you were trying to save my life. It's a thing. Like it's not the end of the world. And Julian's like, are you kidding? That's a precious heirloom. Yeah. Um, This is very expensive and contains a lot of memories. Like, why are you being so nice to this person? Yeah. She's like, leave it alone. Like, it's not that big a deal. He was trying to save me. Yeah. And Louise doesn't hear Julian tell her that that's a, a, antique one-of-a-kind compact like he doesn't know how nice it is right so he tells her he's going to replace it he insists i'm gonna replace this thing for you she's like you don't have to whatever but sheridan and julian finally head back to the mansion and these people just go their separate ways right Mm -hmm. so back at the mansion sheridan goes up to tell ethan all about her trip to santa fe and Ethan fills her in on all of the shenanigans he's been dealing with with Teresa and Gwen. And uh, Sheridan asks Ethan outright, is it possible that Gwen might be right? And he says, of course not. I definitely don't have feelings for Teresa, and she certainly does not have feelings for me. Just then, the phone rings, and it is... Fucking Hank. Fucking Hank. Let this woman breathe. Fucking Hank. Let her breathe. And he not, calls her. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Not only does he call her, but he says he called the cottage and she wasn't there. Th- there was no answer. So he decided to call the, the big house. Like he's like searching for her. But not even that. He Yes. Like first he called the cottage. No answer. So he calls the main house. And then he's like, I know you'd be, you're tired after your trip, but I figured you'd be more likely to say yes because you are because you're too exhausted to say no. Yikes. Yikes. But also that logic makes no sense. I, I mean, I, Sh- Sher- granted, Sheridan and I are very different people, but when I'm tired, I am more likely to say hell no and say, how dare you ask? Mm. <laughs> yeah, because this man asks her out on a date tonight. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Let's. how about that coffee now? I'll meet you at the book cafe. So, she, And she agrees. Because she's nice and uh, like she wants to do what she thinks is the right thing. And, you know, which yeah. is always being kind and considerate to other people even at her own detriment yeah but before she leaves uh ethan says hmm you've been spending time with hank uh a lot and could it be love kind of thing she's like no this is just casual i'm not looking for anything heavy right now nothing heavy okay yeah yep so like we know sheridan's intentions and we know hank's intentions um and they talk about it a little bit but not not until a little later in the episodes Let's now let now let's see what Luis's post airport <laughs> conversation is like, right? Mm. So Luis goes home 
And he tells Pilar that he found Martin and he says, this man does not care about us. He doesn't care about anyone in this family. Um, Cause Pilar says, did he ask about me? Did he ask about us? And Louis says, no. In fact, he was try He escaped me like three times. He, he didn't want to talk to me. He doesn't give a damn about us or this family. Um, and she says, how did you know it was him? Did you recognize him? And he says, well, he recognized me, mama. He called me Luis. So they do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pilar is not convinced. And then Luis gives her the knife. Right. And she recognizes that knife and says, I gave this to him many years ago on Christmas. And then she says, well, at least he's alive and well, which Luis does not take kindly to. Right. Right. He says, Julian Crane is right about this. He's no good. And I'm glad he's not part of our lives anymore. Yeah. Like he's, he's so hurt. Yeah. He's so hurt. Understandably. But this isn't your father at all. This isn't your father at all. And Pilar's like, did you see his face? Like he, the, the, the things that you're describing do not align with what I know to be true about Martin. So what, what's going on here? And yeah. Luis just is so shut down about it that he just basically. Well, and he says he had a beard. It was hard to tell. Yeah. So Pilar's still not completely convinced, but I think the, the knife really was too big of a clue for her to ignore. Yeah. Right. Well, then Pilar says, you know, I have to go, but we can, I have to go to work, but we can talk about this later. But before Pilar leaves, Luis asks her where he can find a nice compact mirror. And she tells him to check out Lowell's downtown. He says that he dropped, um, he tells her about breaking Sheridan's and she's like, oh, that's nice. Go, (laughs) go to the department store. After Pilar leaves, Luis has another moment with himself. Basically, he's like, you know I don't buy that Sheridan really came all the way to New Mexico for my mom. There must be something more to it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So he goes to the department store where he meets a very pushy, very nosy fucking department store girl. I She pissed me. She was so annoying. She was annoying, but he also, like wanted to talk about it all <laughs> like if you don't want to talk to someone at the store you say i'm fine thanks no thank you like you you know what i mean like you don't well he was needing he needed help finding what he w- needed but right. she immediately when he walks in she's like he's like looking at the compacts he's like she says oh you don't look like the sort of guy to use a compact you must be buying this for your wife and he says no I'm not married I'm just looking for and then he says well I don't know who what she is to me and then this woman like kind of pushes him to define his relationship with Sheridan right and she's like well is she your girlfriend she's got to be something she's like she's just really pushy it's like it could just be a friend yeah honestly she means nothing to me I just broke something of hers and I'm trying to replace it but this lady just would not let up yeah well a man like that walked in, I would want to know if he's single or not. That's so very true. I get where she's coming I from. Thought, I <laughs> thought the same thing. <laughs> I get where she's coming from. But no, she is inappropriate the way that she speaks with him and questions him and demands that he defines the, his relationship with this mystery woman. It's like, you, you're you never going to see this man again. Also, like, why do, do your you care? job. Yeah. So like these leading questions are not helping you do your job in assisting him to buy a compact. But so yeah, Luis buys the most expensive compact 
for Sheridan. Yes, he does. Turns out to be the most expensive one in the store. He's very proud of himself. Yes. And he <sighs> buys it in cash. So he has it gift wrapped. Yeah. Oh, Louise. Yep. So he heads off to find Sheridan. Well, where is Sheridan? She's on a date with Hank at the book cafe. Ugh. Ugh. They're on a lackluster date because she doesn't care about him. No, not one bit. Not one iota. So um, Sheridan and Hank meet up at the book cafe and uh, he tries to flirt with her, but he's just too pushy. It doesn't come across as charming. It comes across as annoying and desperate, in my opinion. And it kind of seems like she wants to keep him guessing a little bit, but he, um, he, he's just, he wants something serious and he's going about it in a very childlike way. Mm-hmm. And he badges her, yeah. badges her to be like, hit, let him be her boyfriend. Yeah. He like basically says that, like, let me be your boyfriend. He's like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm a great guy and you're going to fall in love with me. He's like, I, I, yeah, let me be your boyfriend. And she's like, I'm not really like looking for a boyfriend. Yeah. But he also, Hank also finally says something kind of important where he talks about uh, the things that they told him about the Martin they met in New Mexico does not square with what he knows about Martin Fitzgerald and how he remembers Martin Fitzgerald and about how his father talks about Martin Fitzgerald. He says, my dad's a great judge of character in the way he talks about Martin Fitzgerald. He talks about it like he was a great man, an honorable man who would never steal. You know, it just doesn't quite sound right to me. Uh, so he's laying those seeds of doubt and we know yeah. that this is not the real Martin Fitzgerald, right? He might be a Martin Fitzgerald, but he's not Papa. He's not Papa. Papa yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not the Martin. And Hank says all of this. And then Sheridan tells him about how the trip to, to Santa Fe was. She says it was physically very challenging, but emotionally very rewarding. Um, and Hank's like, well, that's great. You're starting to see how wonderful Luis is. Now you can work together at the youth center and not fight all the time. Yeah. And then he goes somewhere. I wrote that about Hank multiple times where he's talking to somebody and he goes somewhere and I didn't bother to figure out where he went. He goes to make a phone call to, uh, make a reservation at the lobster shack. Thank you. Cause I didn't know where he went. <laughs> he goes somewhere and Luis comes in. That's Louise the important comes in. part. How did Luis know that Sheridan was at the book cafe? I don't know. Maybe he maybe he called the mansion looking for her, or may, maybe, maybe Pilar, Pilar knew because Hank had yeah. talked with her. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Either maybe way, he called Pilar, and Pilar told her where she, because Pilar generally knows where everybody is. Yeah, she's Harmony's mom. Yeah. So he comes in to give Sheridan the compact, and she's like, Sheridan's really grateful for it. She's like, oh my gosh, you got it gift wrapped. He's like, that's just how the girl at the store did it. Yeah, she she is really um, gracious about receiving the gift, and he's very bashful about about giving her the present. And I I wrote that Hank returns. That's what I wrote. I wrote Hank comes back and ruins the moment. Exactly, he does. He comes back and he ruins the moment because he sees the compact that Luis gave her. He doesn't realize Luis just gave it to her, but he says. What's going on with that compact? Where's the antique one that you had? I, I remember seeing it and thinking, oh, this lady keeps her makeup, her powder in an antique, expensive compact. She's classy. And yeah. so this like totally deflates, deflates Louise. Louise. Yeah. De- deflates Louise. He seems a little embarrassed. He says, you know, oh, I can tell I made a mistake. If you don't like it, you can just give it back. Like, mm. And she's like, no, I, I love it. It's fine. And then he gets a page from the station and he 
goes to um, answer the call. Um, and Sheridan and H- Hank's like, well, we got to go. We're going to go to the lobster shack while Luis is gone. But Sheridan's like, well, we should wait. I really want to talk to Luis and just tell him thank you. And he's like, he's probably going to be on the call for a long time. Hank just ruins everything. Yeah, Hank ruins everything. So they're on their way out. But as they leave, Sheridan's like, wait, I have to go back to the trash can. And she like drops something in the trash can. And then she gets like distracted. And she's looking at Luis across the cafe. And she drops the compact into the trash can because she thought it was her purse. She like absentmindedly dropped it into the trash can. This was asinine. It looked intentional. There was no way to make it look like an accident, even though we are supposed to believe that it was an accident, but it looked intentional. Uh, and, and I was very confused cause I was like, she really seemed to like it. Why would she throw it away? Especially when he's standing right there. Like that doesn't make any sense. And then, uh, and then we learn because after this, she and Hank actually end up coming back because yeah, so, she finds that she lost it. So, so, Louise, so they leave. They leave. Louise ends his call. He comes back, sees they're gone. And then he sees the compact in the trash can. And it hurts his fucking feelings. It would hurt my feelings. Yeah. I would be livid. I'd be so I would upset. be livid because one, you know that I'm poor and you are rich. Like this would have really sent me over the edge, I think. Because there's no way for me to think that this was a mistake. Mm-hmm. I just gave it to you. Mm-hmm. I ju- And even if it and is you- a mistake, even if it is a mistake, how could you be so careless with something I just gave you? Mm. And I- why would you put on this performance of how much you loved it if you didn't really? Listen. Yeah. The, the carelessness of it, is, I think, is what would bother me the most. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about my mother. Uh, I, one year, and I was making maybe $23,000 a year at the time. I was very poor, very below the poverty line. One time, I, my mom needed a new laptop. For, and for Christmas, I bought her a new laptop. I bought her a brand new laptop, okay? Again, I'm poor. I'm, I didn't have any money. My brother and my sister were supposed to give me money for this, but they didn't. So I ended up paying for the whole thing, right? Well, a few months later, I come back home for a visit and I'm like asking about where the laptop is. How's it going? You know, and come to find out she had left it on the floor and either my niece or my nephew, who were like babies at the time, stepped on it and had destroyed this laptop. And so it was like the carelessness of that really, really stuck with me. (laughs) It really stuck with me because, you know, I don't have that much money. Why wouldn't you put it up off of the floor? Mm. Why'd you leave it on the floor where children are running around? But anyway, so I get where Luis is coming from because if I had seen that thing in the trash can and he knows, she knows that he has like money troubles and that she's rich and he's poor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So especially, I get it. especially after being embarrassed by Hank, who just said that it was like a cheap trinket basically yeah. compared to what she used to have. Like there's a lot of emotional blows that are happening in a row to this, to, to Luis. I felt so bad for Luis. I know. I he's, really did. He's really upset and it all makes sense. Um, yeah. And he leaves cause he has to go. Uh, secure do oh no he goes to get his mama he goes home to pick up his mom before going to the tree ceremony because he's working security yeah but at this point Sheridan and Hank come back into the book cafe because she's realized that she's lost the compact within having it for three minutes um and so she's traces retraces her steps and finds it in the trash can she's like how the fuck did this happen like how is it in the trash can oh my god I'm so glad like I found it I love this I feel so terrible 
And uh, Hank realizes that something's up. And he asks her point blank, you're not falling for Luis, are you? Mm-hmm. And she says, you think I'm falling for Luis? No, it's just that this was a sincerely given gift. Because Hank says something really shitty. He's just like, why are you so, uh, what's the big deal? It's just a, a trinket. Like, he's so shitty. Yeah, well, he's fucking awful. And Sheridan denies that she has feelings for Luis, um, but says that it is really meaningful and that she's learning some really important things about him. And then she goes on this beautiful speech and says, I, I see how Luis inspires loyalty from his friends, respect from his boss and love from his family. He saved my life and I would never want to hurt him. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. It's so great. Meanwhile, Luis is very upset. Yeah. Luis, Luis goes home upset. and he is, he's really, he's mad. He's upset. He's sad. He's ashamed. He's embarrassed. He feels like a big swirling pile of emotions. Uh, none of them good. Not, yeah. I. And this all coming off the, the heels of learning, learning about his father. Yeah. I mean, he's just, oh, Luis needs them. He needs some therapy. Yeah. That's what he needs. So uh, Luis goes to, goes home. Uh, Martin, meanwhile, ha- has arrived in Harmony. He's been on a bus for like multiple episodes. But at this point, he's in harmony. He shows up about the same time as Louise Sheridan and Julian from New Mexico, who flew. And he rode a bus <laughs> from New Mexico to New England oh. across the country. So I'm just that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. He's, Martin's here now. Yeah. Martin's here. Martin's here. Yeah, so Martin gets there and he says, it's payback time. Like, that's one of his big lines. Um, and he says, I, all these years and I've got nothing to show for it. I'm going to make sure that this is one hell of a Christmas for the Cranes and the Lopez Fitzgeralds and all of Harmony. So mm-hmm. Martin is here to blow some shit up. That's what it seems. I can't, I can't figure out what he wants. Yeah. I can't figure out what he wants. We, hopefully we'll, we'll find out, but. I'm not completely sure. Does he want to blow things up or does he want money? Or is it that if he doesn't get the money, he will blow things up? It's unclear. But the thing is, like, he needs, I need to know what he wants. And he needs to know what he wants because if what he wants is money, he's going about it the complete wrong way. And we'll find that later or or we'll talk about it in a little bit. But it seems more like he wants retribution and he wants this, whatever the crane secret is, he wants that to come out because Mm. he has spent the last decade plus of his life hiding out and assuming a false identity for the sake of this man. And doesn't feel like he's been given his, uh, he's been given his due. Yeah. So I guess that's what he wants, but yeah, he's going about it all really weird. And we, they haven't explicitly told us his motivation. So it is unclear. It's very unclear because, and I say this because, he shows up to Harmony and the first place he goes is the Lopez Fitzgerald home. And right. he like sneaks around and uh, around their backyard. Right. Uh, it's like, if you're trying to get caught, th- this is the way to do it. But if you're trying to get money, this is not the way to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't well, know. Because the minute Pilar sees him, she's going to know it's not her husband, even though her dumb, <laughs> dumb kid couldn't recognize his, his father, own dad, which is mean. I shouldn't say that. Well, I mean, it's true, though. But truly, what the fuck? What the fuck? So, okay. So, so inside Martin, so Martin has, is creeping around the outside and inside Luis and Pilar are arguing about Martin. Yes. Pilar lights 
a candle for Martin and a candle for Antonio. And Luis is like, you're wasting your time. This also, is a waste of time. Also, Antonio is missing. I keep forgetting that the brother <laughs> is missing. The father and the brother are missing. Are they not on the lam together? No. No, we, they're, are, we they're have doing learned that these are two separate stories. Two separate storylines. So they, they went missing on the same day no. or they didn't? No. We find out later. At, at first, it sounds like they went missing on the same day. Right. Like very, very early on. But then we find out, Luis says, and I can't remember when it was, but he says, Papa took off and then Antonio took off too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he, in Luis's words, basically that Antonio didn't want to take on the responsibility that Luis eventually had to take on. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. that clears that up. Cause I was, <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah. Fucking Antonio. Yeah. Why are we not worried about him? So Pilar's lighting candles for her missing relatives who are many, who number in the many at this oh, point. No. And, um, Luis was like, this is a waste of time. Just like my, my trip to New Mexico. That was a waste of time too. So basically they start off arguing about Martin and then Luis brings up Sheridan and wants to argue about Sheridan and then says, I don't want to talk about her. And Pilar says, but you brought her up. Mm -hmm. So what? And Luis is like, what's that supposed to mean? And Pilar says, you tell me like, let's talk about this. And so Luis feeling bad about everything that he's, that he's dealing with right now. He's shouldering such a burden, basically reverts back to his safety space of, the rich people and the poor people cannot mix. Like he just goes back to his comfort zone. Yeah. He tells Pilar about what happened with the compact and she's like, that doesn't sound like Sheridan. I can't believe that she would do something like that. Um, and yeah, yeah, whatever. Luis eventually is just like, I don't, I couldn't care a lick about Sheridan Crane. He's back to his old, his old, his old ways. ways. And Pilar says, you know, it just sounds like you've been hurt. Yeah. But he can't, he can't, admit one more hurt right now he just can't do it yeah. so then Luis hears a noise out back because it's martin skulking around mm-hmm. in their backyard and so he heads outside to investigate what the noise is but he doesn't find anything back there martin like jumps over the fence and hides yeah he hides and then overhears a conversation about how pilar works for the cranes because i'm not sure that he knew I don't know. Either way, he finds out that Pilar works for the Cranes and also finds out that there's a house key that's hidden in the backyard. This was so dumb. And also finds out that Pilar and Luis are going to go leave for the tree ceremony, meaning their house will be totally empty. Yeah. So they do. They leave for the tree lighting ceremony. And uh, Martin jumps the fence, picks up the key, goes inside and calls Julian Crane, Mm -hmm. who doesn't answer the phone. He he calls, but Julian is on his way out to the tree lighting as well. And a maid picks up the phone and tells this stranger exactly where her boss is. Right. Fireable offense. Uh, crazy. She, he, he says, and he doesn't even ask. She just gives the information right. out. It's like, uh, ask who's calling and take a message. Yeah. That like that, that's basic phone etiquette. I knew how to do that when I was like seven. Yeah. Martin calls and she answers. She says crane residence. And he says, um, I want to talk to Julian crane. And she says, I'm sorry, Mr. Crane and Mrs. Crane have just left to go to the tree lighting ceremony in lighthouse park. Exactly where they are. Right. <laughs> Exactly where they are. Yeah, it's don't crazy. go. Don't go to the wrong tree lighting ceremony at the other park. <laughs> go to Lighthouse Park. Yes, Lighthouse Park. Whatever. So now Martin is also going to, to the tree lighting at Lighthouse Park. Whatever. Let's go back to the Crane Mansion really quickly. Let's talk about 
what happens before Julian and Ivy leave to go to that Christmas tree lighting? Because some shit goes down at the Crane Mansion. Yeah. So Ivy has come back home after going to the tree trimming. She did that part today. Yeah. Let us not forget she went to the Bennett home. Got to start your morning off with a little uh, flirting with your ex-lover. Yeah. And uh, she comes home. She overhears Julian on the phone with Alistair. Again. Again. On speakerphone again. I mean, if you don't want secrets to be out, like one of the easy things, an easy fix for people not overhearing your secrets is to not tell them to the world on speakerphone. And how many times does Julian have to say, we'll never have to worry about Martin again. (laughs) He has said that line like eight times every episode for the past 20 episodes. Yeah, he says our troubles are over. Martin's probably halfway to Alaska by now. And he um, also, remember, Julian has no fucking clue where Martin is going. He didn't know where he was going in the first place. Right, right. He just said, Miller, give him a new ID, put him on a bus, send him somewhere else. Just as long as it isn't harmony. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I do love Julian at this point. We get some more Christmas caroling, but instead of Timmy, it's Julian drinking this time. He's like pouring a big old bottle of booze into the eggnog. Yeah. And he's going, joy to the world. Eggnog has come. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. Well, Ivy comes in while Alistair's on the phone and she says hello to Al. She says, hello, Alistair. And uh, she says, will you be home for Christmas? And he says, I'll be home when you all least expect it. Probably they have to clean up some mess you all made. Um, and then he says, have you been up to anything lately, Ivy? What have you been up to? And she's like, oh, nothing, Alistair. And he says he knows everything that goes on in Harmony. Again, Alistair tells us he knows everything that goes on in Harmony. You kind of get to hear how Alistair um, has like a, a grip around everyone's neck, even though he's not there, because mm-hmm. he says... After asking her what he's been up to, he says, well, she knows better than to do anything that might displease me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, it's just constantly hanging over everybody's heads that Alistair is big brother and he's watching everything and he will ruin you just, yeah. just for fun. So Alistair, you know, hangs up the phone. They hang up on Alistair and Ivy says, you know, I just want to be alone. And she heads upstairs. Well, she gets about halfway up the stairs and realizes that her locket with Sam Bennett's picture inside has fallen off and she left it somewhere. So she starts panicking and heads back to retrace her steps. Well, who has picked it up? Julian has picked it up. And look, this was the only time that I was like, maybe Ethan is Julian's son. Right. Because yeah, Julian, same. Julian has just as much trouble getting into that locket as Ethan did. I, he cannot open the fucking locket. These, these two men. I thought the same thing. Maybe they are related. <laughs> maybe. I thought the same thing. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, and then he, because, because he gets frustrated and can't get it open, he's like, must be some junk that the, uh, uh, one of the maids dropped and he throws it in the trash can. You think one of your maids dropped something and instead of like, I don't know, putting it, setting on, it aside, setting it aside and saying, is this somebody you throw it in the trash? He's a piece ass. of jewelry, a locket. Well, he just can't face that. He can't open the, the stupid thing. And so he's like, uh, it must just be junk. He's an ass. Such an ass. Well, then Ivy comes back into the living room and Julian notices that she is clearly looking for something. And he surmises that she is looking for that locket that he just found. And he's like, hmm, I bet it must be connected to your secret. 
And then he pulls it from the trash and goes, looking for this. <laughs> <laughs> looking for this. Is that Emperor's New Groove? Yeah. yeah. Yzma or whatever. Yzma. I love Yzma. Crunk. Looking for this. <laughs> Pull the lever. Crunk. Wrong lever. <laughs> A llama. He's supposed to be dead. <laughs> All right. And that, that concludes the Emperor's New Groove uh, <laughs> quoting session of this episode. But yeah, he pulls out that locket. He's like, you looking for this? Huh? And he's like, what? Why are you so worried about this little trinket? It it pales in comparison to all of the beautiful jewels I've bought you over the years. And she says, you know how I hate to lose anything, Julian, whether it's a cheap locket or not, you know. And he's like, well, what is this? What's so important? And he dangles it in front of her face. He's just teasing her. Mm-hmm. And then she grabs it she, very quickly. So, you know, crisis kind of averted. Yeah, she basically grabs it and just turns the tables on him and says, look, Alistair is going to be far more concerned with how you botched the Martin Fitzgerald affair than any little secret that you think I might be keeping. Like, Mm -hmm. this is all about you. And uh, it works. Yeah, she turns it on him. They talk about Martin. And she's like, she says to him, what's the truth about Martin Fitzgerald? She's still trying to press and figure out, like, is the Martin you saw the real Martin Fitzgerald or is he some kind of imposter? Yeah. Um, But then Julian turns the tables right back around and, and starts to talk about, he says, Ivy, why did you invite the Bennetts and the Russells to our Christmas party? Like, that's very odd for you. And he says, perhaps it has something to do with a secret. Do you have a secret with Sam Bennett? He like just goes right to Sam. Yeah. Well, it's weird. He kind of starts off the thing by making fun of Grace. Like it was hilarious. It was hilarious. He's, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. It was, it was very funny. Like Julian is saying nasty things, but I, I was laughing at them. I guess I'm a bad person. It was hilarious. He ma- he makes a, a joke about her tomato soup cake. He, yeah. He's like, maybe she'll, Who's who's to tell what kind of monstrosity she'll bring to this this year or oh, I'm sorry to this party? Just like that disgusting tomato soup cake. I shudder to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he he says some mean things about Grace, which I think makes him th- think about Sam. He's like, oh, maybe we could play a little game with Sam. You know, the the police chief. I bet he knows a lot of secrets about people. Oh, I'll bet he knows secrets about you. And I was like, and you're gonna have a whole bunch of witnesses while you interrogate your wife at a Christmas party with the chief of police and think that that's not going to get to the tabloids. Like, what are you even saying? Like, this is ridiculous. And so Julian basically drops it there. He's like, okay, all right, I'm going to, I'm, that's a terrible idea. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And then they go to the tree lighting ceremony. They go to the tree lighting ceremony. So I just have to say when they get there, Julian has my favorite one-liner, which is he turns, (laughs) he hates the whole thing. He turns to Ivy and says, don't these people have anything better to do than stand around slack jawed to witness the miracle of electricity? (laughs) (laughs) He's an ass. He's He's an an ass, ass. but that's a funny line. He, uh, so we're going to stay at the mansion for just a second upstairs. While all of this is going down, going on downstairs with Julian and Ivy, uh, Ethan runs into Teresa in the hallway and he asks her about the boy she likes. He says, oh, Teresa, that boy you like, he's going to be at the tree lighting ceremony, right? 
And she's like, yep. <laughs> yep, you're, you're damn skippy. And then he says, great, because I'm going to be going to the tree lighting too with Gwen so that she can see you with your guy and ease all of it. It will ease all of her suspicions. So he says, hopefully then she will accept my marriage proposal. Well, Teresa panics and she dips the fuck out. She's right. like, so, well, first she says, you can't, you have, you have to work, blah, blah, blah. But Ethan says, love is more important. Well, the reason that she even said that she and her boyfriend were going to the ceremony is because she knew that Ethan was supposed to work that night. So she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. He's not going to show up. So I'll just pretend I'm doing the same with my boyfriend. So this really is what throws her out of whack. She's like, fuck. Yeah. How am I going to cover my tracks this time? Yeah. She's frantic at this point. She calls Whitney really quickly. She's like, Whitney, meet me at the fucking park. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I need help. (laughs) Meet me at the park. And so then Whitney meets her at the tree lighting. Because apparently Teresa's like in charge of this. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I have done some event stuff where I end up being more in charge of things than I should be. It happens a lot. So I can totally see where she's like volunteering or is being paid like us, you know, to, to work the event and somehow ends up kind of making executive decisions. But Teresa's really carrying a lot of responsibility here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she's like there, she's supposed to be decorating the tree. She's like waiting on Santa. Like she's doing all of the things. Mm-hmm. So they get they get to the tree lighting ceremony um, and she and Whitney are like trying to help and set up and stuff. But Teresa's like frantic. She's like, what am I going to do? Ethan's saying that he's going to bring Gwen. I got to find a guy quick to pret- pretend to be my boyfriend, which here's the thing. Teresa is immaculate. Like she's carved from marble. She could very easily find some rando to pretend to be her boyfriend. Yeah. And you know who came to mind first was Chad. But the thing is, she has told him that her boyfriend is rich. So she's got to find a rich guy. Mm. Except if I were Teresa, I would just backtrack on that. I would just say, like, I, I he's rich in many ways. Yeah, <laughs> like he's rich in personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's Or easy. he has, like, great potential. That's yeah. why I think. That's why I said he's rich, but he's not really rich. Yeah. Yeah. That, w- that would have been easy. That would have been the easiest thing to do. But it's, they... They don't do that at all because basically Teresa runs down a list of potential excuses of like why she wouldn't be at the tree ceremony. And Whitney's like, I don't think that's going to work. And Teresa's like, you know what? I actually don't need to worry about this at all. They're not going to come. She just decides. She's like, they're not going to show up. Even though Ethan has told her I'm going to be there with Gwen. She's like, nah, they're not going to be here. I love this lunatic. (laughs) I love her. She says she's frantic, frantic, frantic. And then that pendulum swings and she says, you know what? They're not coming. Fate's on my side. <laughs> she says she's got fate on my side. And, and Whitney's like, no, you really need to think of a plan. And she's like, nope, don't need to. Fate's got me. Yep. <laughs> Fate's got my back. Fate's got my back. I'm good. I'm good. I got nothing to worry about. Crazy. C- crazy. Crazy because. Well, then who shows up? Gwen and Ethan. Immediately. Immediately immediately and they don't see each other and so Gwen is pleased she's like ah see Teresa can't even show her face she's not even gonna show up like they they both have decided that the other person just won't be there yeah so they they search for Teresa but can't find her and they wander around just arguing about Teresa they just wander around this park arguing about Teresa and Gwen 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 finally says Men just don't understand how far some women will go to hook a guy. Ugh, I hate her. Yeah. 
yeah, that's what I wrote as well because I was like, oh, Gwen, like Gwen she's is not a girl's she's, girl. Well, she's going about this the wrong way because it is it's Ethan who is the problem, and instead she's blaming Teresa, um, which is what often happens. Like if your husband cheats on you, then your husband is a bad person, mm-hmm. and the other woman, there might be some issues going on there, but like she is available. You know, your husband is the person who broke their vows. Yeah. Not her. Yeah. Why are you mad at her? Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I would be mad at a girl who knew I was in a relationship with someone and still slept with my boyfriend. But I mean, I would be mad at my boyfriend too. Yeah. But also, I'd be mad at all of these yeah, people. Yeah. I'd be mad at everything. But like, again, the person in the, the person in the wrong who has betrayed you mm-hmm. is not this girl that you barely know. Yeah. The person who has betrayed you is the, is your boyfriend, is your partner who says he loves you yeah. and has done, has done this, right? Like, yeah. is that other girl wrong? Yeah. Has she betrayed you? No, you don't owe each other anything. Yeah. You have no relationship. I also, I just hate this whole trope in it of women hating women. Mm-hmm. I hate this whole, like, women are competitive about nothing but men. Right. Right. Like we're just going to be competitive over this horrible man. Ethan sucks. I also think this is just part of the patriarchy. Right. Right. Like men for so long were in charge of everything still are in most cases. Um, And so they put themselves at the center of every story. So they are the object of desire. Right. So mm-hmm. every woman that they write is in a fight about them because they're so great. Yeah. Like, I think this is just the patriarchy at play. Yeah. And women have gone into this. Like I wor- worked with someone who said, said to me one time, women can only be friends in pairs because once you put in a third, then two are always making fun of the other one. <gasps> and I was like, what? what? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you think that? You think she was dead serious. She believed this to be true. Oh, a woman said that a to you. A woman said it. So, yeah, yeah. So, like, that's what I when I say the patriarchy, I mean the society at large is a patriarchal society and it leaks into every facet of us. I can't believe Isn't that. Isn't that horrible? That's such a weird thing to say and, and think. She, that's a horrible thing to believe, but she's but not also, alone in thinking it. But also she probably had to experience it. Well, experience it or engages in that kind of activity, mm-hmm. you know, in that behavior. Okay. And she learned it from society yeah and from these kinds of stories yeah well so Gwen and Ethan finally find Teresa much to Teresa's shock and dismay she is truly shocked (laughs) I mean she is truly shocked I thought fate had my back what happened fate what happened (laughs) she nope nope she's and so she starts to like pant it panting (laughs) she is panicking (laughs) (laughs) she starts to panic But luckily, Santa, the real Santa, the real Santa who's supposed to be like the tree lighting Santa. Before Tabitha kidnaps Santa, he shows up. He shows up and he interrupts Teresa. And Teresa tells Gwen and Ethan that she's busy helping set everything up for the ceremony. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We'll go to the book cafe. We'll be here. Don't you worry. And Gwen is gloating. She is smiling the biggest grin She's so excited to just like see Teresa's demise. It's also really weird that Teresa is very clearly working at this event and they, they come up to her and express to her, we are here to meet your boyfriend. Is now a good time? No. And she's like, no, now's not a good time. I'm busy. So like, okay, we'll, we'll come back later and check. It's like the whole night is not going to be a good time. I'm fucking busy. Yeah. 
Like, if you want to meet my boyfriend, let's set up a date. Let, like, why are we doing it this way? Mm-hmm. Well, then Ethan and Gwen go off to get coffee or whatever. And with a, she, Teresa has like a little space to think, but she just can't think straight. She's like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> she's, const- she's just trying to figure out a way out of her predicament. But Whitney looks at her and says, you have to confess. Well, because Whitney pokes a hole in every excuse that Teresa thinks about giving to Ethan and Gwen about why her boyfriend isn't there. Mm-hmm. And Whitney's like, no, Gwen will see through it this way, that way, and the other. And she's like, you gotta, you gotta come clean, Teresa. Now's the time to be honest. Now's the time. So Ethan and Gwen come back again after having coffee, still no boyfriend. Um, but then Teresa has to deal with the carolers who are like singing in the wrong direction and walking away from the ceremony. Yep. They're not following the designated parade route. <laughs> it's like, and your carolers just stand in one spot at a, ce- your carolers at a ceremony. Yeah. Right? Just like. Go stand in your spot. Dickensian carolers. Yeah. But she has to go deal with them. And Gwen's like, don't worry, we'll be here. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, darling. <laughs> so Teresa comes back and uh, Whitney says, look, your goose is cooked. You got Tell the truth. And Teresa's like, I guess I'm going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. So when Gwen and Ethan approach her for the third time, Teresa is about to come clean when Tabitha, disguised as Santa, comes up and is like, uh, ho, ho, ho. Could you give me some directions, please? And Teresa's like, Santa, are you okay? He's like, oh, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. Why would you ask? He's like, I told you what to do like an hour ago. Like, we already did this. <laughs> and at this point, Ethan finally puts together that Teresa's a little busy. Mm-hmm. And maybe now is not a good time to do this. Yeah. So she shows Santa what to do. And Gwen tells Ethan, look, she doesn't have a boyfriend. I'm telling you, she has no boyfriend. She, Gwen is over the moon. She's so happy. She's so smug about mm-hmm. it, though. Like, it would be one thing if she's just, like, happy. Like, oh, I'm so glad. That... No, she's smug. She's enjoying watching Teresa squirm. Yeah, she wants the demise, the complete and other, utter demise of Teresa Lopez Fitzgerald, who is a child. Yeah, 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 lest we forget. She's fighting with a child. Yeah. And I tell kids all the time, I don't argue with children. Right. I don't argue with kids. Well, once you start arguing with kids, you've lost. You've lost. (laughs) I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. Especially if I know I'm right, Mm. which most of the time I am. Especially when they're kids. Especially when they're kids. Now, sometimes I'll make mistakes and kids will be like, Miss Lee, you wrote the wrong thing or something like that. Right. And it's like, oh, okay. But... No, I'm not going to argue about argue with you about things that I know to be true. Mm, mm. So anyway, I said all that to say Gwen is wrong and has already lost because she's arguing and fighting with a child. Yeah. 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 So Gwen also tells Ethan that if he proposes again, she'll accept. Yeah. This was weird. She basically says now that you know that Teresa's fake boyfriend is just nonsense, we can pick up where we left off. What? They have such bigger problems, such big problems in their relationship, way bigger than Teresa. These two are the type of people to have a baby because they think having a baby will fix their problems. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's only going to exacerbate whatever issues you have going mm-hmm. on. Like, don't get pregnant. Don't get engaged. <laughs> like, don't, like, deal with it or break up. Those are your two options. Yeah. Therapy. Break up. That's it. 
All right, so everybody's at this tree lighting ceremony. Let's talk about uh, Hank, Sheridan, and Luis at the tree lighting. Yeah, let's talk about this. So at, at this point, I loved that Sheridan finally was honest like and very direct and clear with Hank because they're walking around the tree ceremony. Um, and she, well, she keeps talking about the compact and Luis and Hank kind of takes this opportunity to try and flirt with her some more and talk about boyfriends. And we, Oh, you're not seeing anybody else. Are you? And she's like, I'm not seeing anybody else, but I'm also, I'm not serious. Like I'm not trying to get married anytime soon. Like I want, I'm, you know, yeah, because he's like, not doing he this. He basically insinuates that they're going to get married. Right. And she's like, no, that's not what, the, you know, that's not what I'm doing here. I don't know you. I'm not in love with Luis. I'm not in love with you. I'm not trying to settle down right now. I'm just, I got back to Harmony like three days ago. Yeah. Can from I From Paris. She was in Paris for years. <laughs> got back to Harmony, honestly, like two months ago. And like then was in Santa Fe. Like she's like, can I just have a minute to breathe? Yeah. Can I live my own life? Yeah, and she's, like, admiring her compact because she does. She, like, loves Louise. Yeah, she does. She's, like, obsessed with Louise, honestly. Um, but then Louise and Pilar arrive, and uh, from across the park, Louise can see Hank and Sheridan together, and he says he hopes that he she doesn't uh, hurt Hank and dump him like he she dumped that compact right in the trash can. <laughs> oh, Louise. He's really upset. And so um, Hank uh, goes off somewhere again. <laughs> Do you know where he went? Um, let me look through my notes here. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I know. I wrote whatever. He goes to do something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, he goes to grab some some warm apple cider. Oh, okay. Um, Which gives Sheridan the opportunity to run into Luis and have a and have a fight. <laughs> yeah, she she thanks him again. She runs into Luis. She thanks him again for the compact, and he says to her, "I know you didn't like it. What kind of rich girl game are you playing at? I don't have time for this." And he walks off, mm. and Sheridan is left, understandably confused. And I think Sheridan a couple months ago would have just left it at that, mm -hmm. but Sheridan now has grown a nice big set of balls. And she walks up to, to Luis and it shows him the compact. She's like, what's going on? Like, wh what's happened between us between like an hour ago and now? Like, I just want to thank you for this compact. I love it. And at this point, he sees that she still has it. Yeah, and he's so happy to see it. Yeah. The smile on his face. Yeah. And that's he, all we get. That's all we yeah, get. that's all we get. We don't get the conversation that follows. We just see that, okay, there might be some reconciliation happening between these two. I think it's going to be precious. I, I hope so. Yeah. So let's go on to the, the main event. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Picking the prettiest girl in harmony. Oh, girl. <laughs> this is so dumb, too. I don't like that. Santa Claus gets to choose the prettiest girl in harmony to light the tree. Again, that's this, this, uh, this thing where they, they've created a fight where girls are they're What am I trying to say? They're being placed in a pecking order according to beauty. Mm -hmm. And so they're pitting them against each other, vying for the affection of Santa Claus, an old man <laughs> who is fictional to choose them to light the Christmas tree. It's crazy. Cause why doesn't Santa just light the tree? Santa lights the tree. Do you know how many fucking Christmas tree lightings I've done? I've worked at many tree lighting ceremonies yeah. and Santa always lights the tree. Why doesn't Santa just light the tree? Okay. So everyone's at now. Everyone is at this tree lighting. 
Grace, I, I just want to talk about this one little moment mm-hmm. where Grace is talking to her girls and she says she hopes that Santa picks Charity to light the tree <laughs> because she's had such a rough year. <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, she has. But I kind of felt bad for her kids. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I felt bad for Kay. Yeah. I hate that I feel bad for Kay. I really hate that I feel bad for Kay. But I do. Yeah. I do. But yeah, so ch- everybody's like, Pressured into saying, yeah, we hope Charity gets picked too. You know, <laughs> but nobody wants Charity to get picked. Everybody wants to get picked. It's funny because Tabitha basically pits Charity against Kay by using manipulation tactics and saying, oh, Charity, like Grace really is going to be disappointed if you don't do this, this, and this. But in reality, Grace is doing that to her own daughters. Yeah. 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 She Well, she's overcompensating with right. charity, which makes complete, complete sense. sense. She just lost her mother. She mm-hmm. doesn't remember anything. Mm-hmm. She's living with this family she didn't know she had. Like, I get it. I get it. Yeah. All right. So it's time for Santa to pick the prettiest girl to light the tree. And who does, uh, who's old Tabitha pick? Well, she points at Kay. She goes, oh. She like inspects the girls and then she points at Kay and then swings that finger around to charity. Yep. Poor Kay. Of course. And Kay's face. Oh, poor Kay. I know. I feel really bad. About I really that. felt bad because Tabitha really built her up. Oh, she put on quite the show. Tabitha really built her up and made her think, of course, Santa's going to pick you, blah, blah, blah. And no. And then basically makes it look like Santa is going to pick you. And then Santa picks your arch rival. Your nemesis. So, um, so yeah, so Kay's face falls. Charity, of course, chooses Miguel to light the tree with her. They walk up to the switch. Santa and Timmy, Santa and his helper, Elf, are, have, like, disappeared. They're, like, hiding in the distance. Well, it was so funny because they start to, they walk off and Julian notices. Yeah. He says, that's weird. And Ivy's like, what? And he says, Santa and his little elf are moving away from the Christmas tree. Right. <laughs> and the crowd starts to chant. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, and that's the end of the episode. Yep, they're about to pull pull, pull the, the lever. lever. Wrong lever. <laughs> they're about to pull the lever. And that's it. That's it for this week. That's it for this week. We did it. We do have an email. We have an email from Zach. Let me pull this thing up. Who's basically on staff now. <laughs> Zach is on staff here. All right. Do you want me to read this one? Yes, because I don't have my phone. Okay. Zach, what are you doing up at six in the morning? I was up too. On a Saturday. I was up too. Wow. I stayed up late watching a murder documentary, so I slept until eight. Yeah. So anyway, Zach says, uh, <laughs> he says, defending my dum-dum. Ladies, I thought y'all were being a little hard on Ethan. If there's one defining feature of Ethan, it's that he's not very perceptive. <laughs> Homeboy doesn't pick up on anything, even if it's in front of your face. That's why he says and does so many ridiculous things and why he can't be gaslighting Gwen or deliberately trying to keep Teresa close. It would require some sort of ability to understand what's happening in front of him. To be fair, I think most guys can be a little dense when it comes to picking up on a woman's feelings for them, but Ethan is extra dense. So saying he's gaslighting Gwen or playing with Teresa's emotions is giving him too much credit. He just genuinely doesn't understand the soup he's found himself in. He's not a bad guy. He's just not the sharpest guy, even though he's a lawyer. Rudy Giuliani's a lawyer, too. So let's face it. Common sense is not a prerequisite for a law degree. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hear you, Zach. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. You make a good case. I'm picking up what you're putting down. He makes a good case, but I will, I will defer that just because you're stupid doesn't mean that you are not responsible 
for the actions that you take. Mm -hmm. Just because you don't understand that you are gaslighting someone doesn't mean that you're not gaslighting them. Correct. Right. Like that. And and so I do take, I, I do take a little different opinion there. Yeah. Well, and also part of it too is why write Ethan this way? Why write him so densely? You know what I mean? Because anybody who's watching a show is trying to get layers from their characters, right? Like you're, you're learning these people. It can't be, it can't just be that he is dense. Like that can't be his whole personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think part of what we do too is like we, trying to dive a little bit deeper and pull a little bit of meaning from this man's life. <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And Z- I do think Zach is right. He's like, yeah. they've, this is what they've written. Yeah. And you and I are trying to parse out some more and like f- round out the character. And it's just not there. Yeah. So maybe we fill in blanks that aren't necessarily real. But that's that's part of the fun, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> We're constantly filling in blanks. Constantly. And, I mean, they give us so many blanks to fill in. It's like a fucking mad gab. Yeah. It wouldn't this <laughs> this podcast wouldn't work if it was just recap and they had this beautifully well-rounded story and there was nothing for us to yeah. like pick at. Yeah. You know? Pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, cheap, cheap, cheap. Pick a lot, pick, pick a, a little, little more. more. <laughs> but Zach, thank you for your email. Yes, and thank I you. love the comparison to Rudy Giuliani. Love like, it. Cause that's so true. Honestly, I was reading the, the, the email and I wasn't completely on board until we got to the Rudy Giuliani <laughs> bit. And I was like, yeah, he has a fair point. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Rudy Giuliani. All right. So that's it for today's episode. That's it. Check out our website. Yes. Please check out the website. We've got Check out f- some merch. We've got a forum. We've got things. We've got merchandise. We've got <laughs> mugs. We've got t-shirts and tote bags. You know, pick up a Christmas gift for yourself. And or for the passionista in your life. Yeah. Um, check out us on social media. We've got Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all at Passions Podcast. Or you can send us an email like Zach often does. I love it. Me too. Yeah, we love hearing from you. So send us an email, send us a message. It honestly it makes our days. Honestly, I might live on like a nice message for a week. Yeah. You know what I really live on are reviews on the the Apple podcasts. I don't know if, know if you ever read those, but I live on whenever somebody puts a new review so please post a review yeah. if you want yeah it really helps us if you rate review and subscribe so if you haven't done that yet now is your opportunity all right so thank you thank you thank you and we'll see you next week that's right all right here we go you are my passion for life